Hi, it's Joel, and this is Rev Thinking, where I'm sharing all my secrets on how to take your motion design studio or production company to the next level. It's January 13, 2016. Happy New Year. Today, I'm speaking with director Jordan Brady, and our topic is the commercial director. Welcome to Rev Thinking. Your host is Joel Pilger, founder of Impossible Pictures and now consultant at Revolution Thinking. RevThink leverages years of experience and practical wisdom to help owners of top creative studios. So you don't have to choose between following your passion and running your business. Find out more at RevThink.com. Now here's your host, Joel Pilger. Do you ever find yourself watching TV and you watch the commercials in the break and you suddenly think, man, who produces all these spots and who directs them? And since you run a creative studio of your own, you might also wonder how would I as a director or how would my creative firm get a shot in that world? And heck, how does it even work in that world? Well, today you'll be jazzed to know I'm speaking with commercial director Jordan Brady. Jordan is on the roster of production company Super Lounge in Santa Monica. And it's kind of interesting how I came across Jordan. He does a podcast called Respect the Process, which is a killer podcast all about production, especially in the world of commercial making. Go to jordanbrady.com to check it out. But I heard an episode with a friend of mine and a former client, a fellow named Andy Baker. And I suddenly realized, man, what a small world. Jordan knows Andy. I know Andy. So I just called up Jordan and said, hey. And we got to know each other. And as we were talking, Jordan said, man, I would love to interview you on Respect the Process. And of course, I said, well, I would love to interview you for Rev Thinking. So we sat down in Santa Monica and had a conversation, and that's what you're about to hear. One final thing before we dive in, Jordan also runs a commercial directing boot camp. What is that? Well, Jordan says it's where you can learn to direct commercials for a living from a guy directing commercials for a living. So check out commercialdirectingbootcamp.com for more on that. And now let's dive into my conversation with Jordan Brady. Jordan, so good to meet you. <laughs> Great to meet you, Joel. I'm really glad to be here. I dig your funky facility here at the Santa Monica Airport. It's a it's a nice space. It's, uh, it's Super Lounge Central. So Jordan is a commercial director, uh, but you're obviously into a lot of different things and you have a really varied background. And I think what's so, you know, interesting about you is uh, the kind of companies and firms that I work with, many of them are production companies, motion design studios, uh, content creators and so forth. Not many of them actually play in the commercial realm. And by commercial, I mean the national spots, working with the national agencies, that's what I sort of call the AICP world. Sure. The, old, you all, the old world. Yeah, the old world, right? The, uh, the big leagues. So how, wh what was your initial, initial entree into that world? First of all, Joel, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me on the show. You got it. And uh, I loved Darren Stevens growing up from Bewitched. It was the witch's husband. And he was the pitch man for the ads. He wrote them. He would go to the client. He would direct the spot. He did everything. So I always had an affinity towards commercials and advertising, especially funny ones. I just love commercials. And the way I got into commercial directing was there were two very distinct moments. 
one of them, I was pitching people to give me money to complete my independent film. So I shot a bunch of film and I edited some scenes together, but I was out of money. Somebody said, oh, go to this production company. It's called Crash Films. And they did. They crashed and burned. They're no longer in existence. <laughs> but in the, this was in the late 90s when people were, production companies were having their film division. Yes. Their indie film division. Yes. Uh, which I never believed in, by the way. Was this the BMW Films era? It was just before that. Okay. It was okay. But people were going to, they were going to have a film at Sundance. So I pitched these guys at Crash, nice guys. I pitched them my film called Dill Scallion. It eventually got made and you've seen it. It was on TV. You can buy it, rent. And uh, they said, no, no, we're not going to invest in your film. But we have this commercial, would you direct? Because it was in the style of my mockumentary film. That's incredible. So it was for WD-40, which is a, a famous lubricant. Lubricant, yes. Oh, and loosener. Like it, it, it's magical. Yeah, it's a magic formula. And we were pitching how you could, uh, the spot was about how it had other uses. It could get bugs and tar off your car and things like that. But what was funny is no one said, hey, um, we're going to do a conference call and you're going to pitch your idea. I just got on the phone and they're like, they explained it to me and I go, well, this is what I would do. And there were no treatments back then, right? This was in the pre-treatment era. You would do a phone call, and then three hours later, they'd call back and go, we love that call. We're going to hire him. I didn't know there were other directors they were talking to. It was just... I'm having visions of truth in advertising right now. It was kind of like that. <laughs> You're on the phone just winging it, and everyone's like, wow. But I had, done, I had shot promos at Comedy Central and written promo campaigns that I shot for MTV and Comedy Central were my main... Got it. That was my junior college... Got it. And then the other, the other moment happened. So I do that commercial. And I finished this independent film, did another film. And then my son Jake was five years old at preschool. And his best friend Jackson, they were thick as thieves. So I'd end up talking to Jackson's mom a lot. And she goes, Jordan, you know, um, you do movies, right? Have you ever an interest in commercials? I said, I love commercials. I watch Bewitched every day. I'd run home from school. She goes, they're always looking for new directors. I don't know what you have. Like, she'd never seen my movie or my work. I was just Jake Brady's dad. Okay. I still am. The power of a personal connection. Yeah. So she introduces me to the guy. The guy, this guy, Gary, he introduced me to Ron, who was, ended up, he was the EP. They signed me. And then the EP, Ron, who's now a production consultant, Mm. He um, he taught me. He sat me down and goes, this is what you say on the call. This is what you do. Don't say that. Ask this. And then when we got the jobs, he goes, this is the protocol. So he was the first guy to teach me the process. But those are the two ways I got into commercials. And so now you are a director, commercial director on the roster of Super Lounge. Correct. And what is what is Super Lounge? What's, the, what's, what's sort of the sweet spot? What's the model? It's a commercial production company. Yes. But tell me a little bit about that. Super Lounge is a production company making content for screens. Mm -hmm. We lean towards comedy. We've got a couple guys on the... I say we because I'm a partner in the company, but I leave that to other people to okay. run the company. I'm right. a director, right? right? So I do comedy dialogue uh, and then other forms of comedy that come along. We've got a couple guys on the roster that do lifestyle 
and uh, pretty pictures. But for the most part, we all excel at comedy, and no two directors are alike. Got it. Now, I know a lot of my uh, listeners are, they might look at your production company as a little bit of a mystery, because some of them might be small shops that are, you know, it was a creative or two that partnered, they started their thing, and they're going out and they're taking down projects, right? Mm -hmm. But they're not doing national spots for national agencies. So what's the, what's just sort of like, if you take a peek at the man behind the curtain, how does a production company work in this commercial space? Meaning, are these directors on staff? Are these contracts? Do they, do they, do they, do they direct for other production companies? Do they get loaned out? Like what's, What's that about? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. And a lot of people ask, are the directors on roster? So here's what it is not. Right. What's a roster? <laughs> right. It is not that someone calls up Super Lounge and a red phone rings under one of those cake, glass cake case things. Right. And it's like, oh, it's a commercial for Charmin. And then we go, Johnson, you're up. Grab a camera. Billy, you're going to do sound. And then go make that commercial. It's not that. It's not Charmin calling up going, we need a commercial. Brady, you're going to write it. Maybe you'll direct. It's not that. Right. So the way it flows is a client, an advertiser, as we all work for, mm-hmm. um, typically in the super lounge business that, that we're in, they have an ad agency of record. And the ad agency creates the, the brief. They write the scripts. They get it sold. Then Super Lounge has reps, which are like pimps. We have a pimp in New York. We have a pimp in the Midwest. We have a pimp in L.A. And we have a Southeast pimp who specializes in that market. Sure. And I would say the directors, we be their hoes. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. I mean, some people may prefer a racehorse analogy. <laughs> right. <laughs> the, the directors would, I'm sure. Sure, sure. But, uh, and these reps are, you've just contracted with these independent reps? Correct. Yes. yes. They're independent reps that have, they have a, 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 their own roster of different companies. Right, that they represent. So like, like KK Reps is my rep in uh, Detroit and Chicago. They mm-hmm. cover the Midwest. KK Reps, which is KK and Joanna, they have a music house. They have a post house or two. They have three or four production companies, but we're really their main comedy source, mm-hmm. right? So the ad agency has their own clients, the ad agency has relationships with the reps, typically the agency producer in charge of the project. Right, like the broadcast producer? The broadcast producer, she's going to work with this thing for, for six months. Why, is it that, why are they always a she? Well, it's not <laughs> always a she, but so many times we say he that I like to mix it up. I'm going to use them intermittently. On no, I know. I'm, just, on I'm chuckling because it generally is, it is a, a, a role that is typically handled by a woman. But So the rep, the rep calls us and says, hey, I submitted... Uh, a couple of reels of Super Lounge directors and the agency really liked Jordan Brady. They want to do a phone call and and the rep is calling my EP, Dave Farrell is his name. Okay. And they're calling the executive producer who is the one talking to the reps every day, uh, making sure that jobs that are in play have a line producer to execute them. Right, you've talked about it on the show. Sure. So, right? in, in so in the commercial production company space, the EP is the one that's fielding inquiries, looking at boards, 
having those initial conversations to arrange the, oh, we, well, let's get this conversation to the place where we're, we're then going to get the director, Jordan, on the phone. And what happens in that call? Well, can I back up one step? Sure. On the, the EP is probably less, because I heard your episode about the EP doing the sales. The EP is less of uh, sales. I mean, they, they're, they're in, on top of sales, and that's in their silo. But the EP is also talking with the rep. Going, the rep says, I have this project for uh, Crystal Geyser Water. I'm making this up because it's in front of us. Who do you think would be right? Because the rep's got five companies, each with 12 directors. So out of her 60, she's going, who do I do? So who do I submit? So she asks the EP, and the EP goes, you know, put these two up for it. Someone will bite. And you want to, the reps and the EPs want to guard... They don't want to just throw every director every time at every project. You want to curate who you're submitting to build trust with these ad agencies. Like every time I call Super Lounge, they pitch the whole roster. Right, right. right. So this is really an interesting nuance because when you have an EP at a production company working with a rep, that sales role gets somewhat divided and shared in this in this way with the rep taking the lead mm -hmm. right 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 and the and the, the ep running it with the the interest of the company and the directors in mind so now it's time for the call it's time for the call what's the call so the call is uh the call is where you live or die the call this is, the is agency your audition. saying hi jordan we saw some stuff that you did for poland springs Hey Jordan, love your Yeah, you've done, obviously done a lot of water, and we have this thing right. called Crystal Geyser. It's not exactly like what it's a you did. A little different. A little different. But maybe you. Well, you tell us. How would you handle this project? Is that sort Typ of the, well? Typically, the agency will take us through the board right. as they see it. They're creative, and you listen. And if you're if you're a young eager director, like a you know, if we go back in the wayback machine. I get on the phone and just spit out my take and bulldoze through it. Now I listen and I hear. I've done research on the web. I've seen other spots the agency has done. So I get, I know what the client, I know what water spots have been done by this client and others. So I know the marketplace. There you go. I get on the call and I have my take on their script as a filmmaker, as a storyteller. And as a guy that hopefully understands the message of the spot. And I pitch that. They ask questions. You can feel the energy on the phone. Sometimes it's, you know, like <laughs> tumbleweed going through. Right. Other times it's there'll be an awkward pause and you think, oh, they're not, they don't like this. And then there'll be this long pause and the creative director will go, we're nodding our heads here. We really like that. And you go, oh, phew. So they've seen your work. Now you've given your pitch. You hang up the phone and you do a treatment. And I'm sure people listening have to submit treatments for, for, sure. for any job. Yeah, a treatment has kind of become a ubi ubiquitous uh, pitch device mechanism part of that process. And sometimes it's called a a board or a style frames or a whatever, but it, it, we use the collective term treatment for what are you going to do? 
the board. What's your vision? What's your what's your take on it? In our in our world, the board would be what the agency generated, correct? And sold to the client, correct? There's usually a date on it and a version. Yeah. What's funny is if you're a motion design studio, your your client might say, "Well, show us what your what your vision is, or what do you think this thing's going to be?" And you would create a board. So that's where you're almost in a client direct situation. You would be almost the agency taking yeah. on that agency role, right? But nonetheless, so in the in the commercial space, when you create a treatment, uh, obviously this is a, this is a big sore spot, right, for a lot of directors to spend half their life writing treatments, writing treatments, writing treatments, writing treatments, right? Um, well, as a filmmaker, the skill set to make a beautiful PDF, or the expense a company has to go if they hire people to do it. Like sometimes you hire a writer for the right. treatment and a, a layout designer. And that could be a couple thousand dollars. And there's even treatment writing companies. Yeah, yeah. now they have reps. That, yeah, like you can be a director and say, I don't have time for this. Go write the treatment for me and I will stick my name on it. It's a little bizarre, but it tells you something about how the game is played. I personally write all my own treatments. Uh, most of the Super Lounge directors do most of the time. Mm -hmm. I have been on a shoot going back to back where I physically can't do it. So I talk to the writer and then I read it. And I find that takes more effort and time reading someone trying to write in my voice. Sure. Than just doing it. And I also do the layout because you, I want to pick images. My treatments aren't the prettiest, but the images are very specific or I'll, I'll even Photoshop, I mean, this is nothing new to the motion guys, but right. I'll Photoshop things together to tell the story. You know, they say a picture's worth like 50 words. Something heard, like that. Something like On that. a good day. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting that you talk about that because what I hear you saying sort of behind all that is as a mm. director, you have to be a really effective communicator. Absolutely. You have to be able to not only get on a call and to a certain extent charm people, you have to convey a lot of confidence. It's still confidence, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a big con game, and I say that in the best sense of the word, <laughs> right? Um, everyone in this business is, is learning that it's that there's a giant con game. But also, you have to be a communicator that can, I think, equip your, the agency or the client with, here's my vision, my take on this, and here's the actual deliverable. There's an actual thing yep. that someone can whether it's a piece of paper or even if it's a PDF that they can spread around the office, that's, you have to be able to make that thing. And if you're not good at making that thing, you're, you're potentially handicapped. Or you have to pay for it. Yes, yeah, or you have to pay is, for it. you know, another way of making it. Right. It's interesting because the, the, from when I talk to creatives at ad agencies, they're not, especially the old guard, they're not as impressed with the treatment. They know from your reel. The thing that got them to say, let's bid this guy. And typically, uh, there's three directors bidding. You know, they, they, the agency will narrow it down to three directors. And we've seen five, we've seen two. Uh, sometimes it's single bid, where they're just talking to you. Right. And if you can make the money work, you're the guy. Right. Or the gal. Yeah, we love those. We love those. And repeat business is the key. Mm -hmm. If you get repeat business and you're single bid, uh, that's, I think that's the only way to have longevity in any creative career. Right. Right? You, you have a client base. And um, as we were talking about off air is, they're all fun people. 
you know, your clients are, they're creative, they're fun. And they're, we're making little 30 second films. So I don't mind doing the treatment, even though I know they're going to look at my reel at the end of the day and go, that's why we had them on the phone. The phone call is a chance to tell your specific take on this specific board. The treatment is a chance to not screw it up and just really lay it out. So my philosophy, if I may, Joel, mm, please. is the job is all the work it takes to get the job. The shoot, the filmmaking, the actual filmmaking is the reward. That's the playtime. Yes. So you work hard at, especially in the internet age, like I, and I espouse this at my commercial directing boot camp. Right. Is go online and find out who you're going to talk to. You and I know each other from LinkedIn. We've researched each other. Why wouldn't you do that before you get on a call mm -hmm. and see what they've done? Know the context of their client, of their agency. What, like I can find out what DP they've shot with over the last three years. And I know that informs what I'm going to say on the phone. And I think people appreciate when you've done your homework like that. Well, you're building bridges. You're building commonalities. You're, you're, you know, you're finding things that will ultimately engender that confidence we talked about. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and, and it also, with comedy specifically, you know the secret to comedy. No, tell Timing. me. Timing. Timing. <laughs> As you stumble on my words. <laughs> that's, a, that's a joke. The, uh, the, the thing with comedy is if you're, if I read a piece of paper and there's maybe one or two pictures on it and I have an interpretation and it's all subjective, but I don't do my homework, I may go pitch that the guy, I may say, you know, at the end it'd be funny if like a big piano falls on the couple at their wedding and I watch their work and it's all really subtle. It's all raise of an eyebrow, a look of an eye. If I would have watched that work, I'd know that they're not going to go for the piano falling down on the wedding couple. This is not in the vein of this client. It's not the agency. The specific creatives who wrote the spot aren't into that kind of broad stuff. Conversely, if, if they do have a bunch of slapstick stuff, maybe I got to up the ante on the, the script. So the, the, the calls and the calls are fun because I love hearing and this is usually after you're on set with someone. I love hearing what they pitched that didn't get sold. Yeah, that's always fascinating. Those are fascinating. gems, man. Those are real. I mean, they're really creative. They're so, it's weird to me that the creative ideas, the, I mean, the, the, uh, the more extreme ideas that push the boundaries are killed by fear. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's that yeah. process of uh, curating and keeping creative pure, right? That's so difficult. But let's let's um, let's put a bow on the that that process. So um, just quickly touch on once the treatment is submitted, then you wait. You wait. The agency sits on it, processes it, yeah, and the, passes it around concurrently. As I'm doing the treatment, the EP and a line producer, and our business model at Super Lounge is we we don't have any staff line producers. Everyone is freelance hired for the job. Uh, they're doing a budget and I'm talking to that line producer going, that's a crane shot. That line producer says, well, 
then are there any other shots? Can we use it for the full day and exploit it? That's a good producer, mm -hmm. you know. Or hey, what if could you do it with a drone or wh whatever? You know, right, we're sure. we're back and forth. So it's a it's an accurate bid. Uh, and then and I'm not involved in that other than the like I to this day I don't know what a dolly rents for or any of that stuff. Got it. And and in another question you asked. Some companies I'm sure have salaried directors. Super Lounge and others and our competitors, you have a roster with a, an exclusive contract. Um, the directors at Super Lounge have the benefit of a director being one of the partners and that I'm very empathetic. So like if you go to, and, and I don't know the, the other companies' policies, but most of, you, most of them want you for North America or the world. Okay. They want global exclusivity or your directing services. And they were everywhere. referring to the production companies. The production companies. Yeah, you know? yep. uh, so the production company will give the, the director a contract saying, you know, do your movies, write your book, uh, do your network promos. Right. When it comes to advertising, you're with us, and it's typically North America. Mm -hmm. At Super Lounge, I said, let's just have them for the United States of America. Go find your own company up in Canada and have your own relationship because you're, you're, you're more likely to get work if you have a relationship with the company directly as opposed to some sister company or loan out, okay? okay. Some people loan out directors to like regional companies, mm -hmm. which we've done on very rare occasion. We want our directors to work and make money and buy Slurpees for their kids. But for the most part, it, I think it taints the brand. Of, of what we're trying to build. Got it. We've invested in these directors. Right. We pay our sales reps. We do publicity. Well, they're the stuff. soul of your company, right? It's our commodity. They're absolutely yeah. the, yeah, the, the secret sauce. <clears throat> they are the secret sauce. And um, so we have exclusivity with commercials for North America, and I've helped a couple guys get signed in Canada. I encourage them to go to Buenos Aires and find a company. And just so they're working and can get you know, have income streams and whatnot. And then we occasionally will do an ad hoc packaging. If a motion graphics company, if the, the spot is heavy, mm -hmm. typically in my world, the agency will pick the music house, will pick the post house, will pick the mo who's going to do the motion graphics. And we're just handling live action. Sometimes they'll say, can you package it all? I have relationships at post houses. Super Lounge does. I know editors that can work under our banner or go anywhere in town and rent a room. And we will try to imagine production efficiencies that way. Although off record, I'll tell you, I don't, I don't believe it. I think the sum of the parts equals the sum of the parts. Meaning? Meaning it's going to cost what it's going to cost. Yeah. So I don't, when people think that like, oh, it's one-stop shopping. Because you have to write one less check. I mean, maybe the efficiencies that they're looking for are really um, process, okay, and 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 workflow and so forth. Not really, we're going to save money, but gotcha. it's not a bundle type of a play. Because I would agree with you, bundling doesn't really save money. It shouldn't, because the you know the motion graphics cost what the motion graphics cost, right? Right. Just because you're bundling it with the live action somehow. What, what where's where's the where's the savings there? So, but the, there might be efficiencies of just hey, we're going to talk to one person, 
Right. And that that's time. That EP, that production company, whatever, is going to manage all that stuff. So yeah, that can actually be just be a way to push more on your plate. It's funny. It's funny. The there are a couple examples. One job I did last year through uh, an agency, a smaller agency, boutique, with always great creative. And I've worked with them on and off for five years. It was a limited budget, and they and they know that I've I edit, but I don't profess to be an editor. But I've you know I've edited a couple movies, documentaries, and some spots. So I said, hey, how about this? I'll do the rough cut, and I'll Dropbox you a file, and you can sync it up, and you can do what you want. And so I did the I did the rough cuts. I shot the thing. Super Lounge produced it. I sat here in my office and did the rough cut and showed the cuts and they go, oh, could you change this? And I go, um, yeah, cool, cool. <laughs> You're laughing because yeah, I, laughing. I was, I'm like, okay, where's this going? And then it was, hey, we're, we're thinking about changing the art cards at the end. And I go, and here it comes. Now we're done. <laughs> now I will graciously thank you for this wonderful production. I will bow out. You can, here's the font I used. I will get, I'll buy the font for you. I'll license it for you. And, and I, so I did the one round of revisions and we kept in touch and it was a great way to work because they would then send me the cuts and say, what do you think of this? And they had an editor that they brought in a, in a boutique editing house and the same with the color where they post spots and we're going back and forth. So definitely by me editing that first round, they saved some money and I had, I, I, in Europe, that's the way it is. The director either works with an editor or in these days edits. Or does a cut. Does a cut yeah, and shows the client. Contracted so, to do that. So this is, I'm, I'm interested to sort of jump ahead now. So yeah. let's just, we'll put a bow on the process of once your line producer does that budget, agency says, oh, we think we like you guys. We like that treatment. We want to award to you. There's some negotiation, I'm sure, that always happens yes. of, well, your bid came in at X and we only have Y. And You're so $20,000 over the other guy. Right. But creatively, we like Jordan. Right. We love the lower bid number, but we like we the, the higher bid guy. So that, here's so what that, happens. Okay. And I'm not involved in any of that. Okay. okay. I mean, I'm kept abreast of it. Right. And every director would be like, hey, here's where we're at. Right. The term is you're the reco. Yes. You're, you're the recommend. The recommend. That must be in every company, right? You're the reco. Uh, there's also preferred vendor. Ah, yeah, it 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 varies, but it's okay. I, I, I get, yeah, the reco. Let's go with it. So you're the reco, and you're really excited that you're the reco. <laughs> then you all oh, the meeting got pushed to Monday. Like sometimes you can wait two weeks for the client and agency to get together, but they've got your number. I mean, the bow is on that package of the budget and the treatment. Right. There might be a second call. Hey, the creatives the uh, advertising agency copywriter art director want to talk they have some questions about the treatment right or hey, a script change we're going to get jordan's input mm -hmm. you're loving that because mm -hmm. yeah you're in the game right because anytime you're talking it's good it's good i think right? so when things go quiet and things go dark that's when you better find a way to get on the phone if it's gone dark then the there is no bow right <laughs> to this story right but let's say you're the reco then they go to their meeting and they come back and they officially award the job. But there's very little we're thinking about working with you guys. It's 
we've engaged, right? You're the reco, or we're going to recommend all and let our client pick. I've heard that, which you hate. You hate that. Um, you can also tell the good agencies lead the client and say, this is who we really want to work with. Yeah, that gets yeah. to a, that's almost a sales technique. A uh, little interesting sidebar where, um, you know, when I ran my production company, Impossible Pictures, um, I learned a hard lesson when, oh, you know, here, here are five ideas for the pitch. And the client says to me, well, which one do you think we should do? And I said, oh, well, we think we love idea number one. It's going to be amazing. Well, then why did you show me all this other crap? That's hilarious. Uh, 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 well, because we were afraid, you know, we were afraid. So, um, all right. So now let's sit. So the project get, gets um, awarded, awarded, right? And then, and then I then ring a bell. You ring a bell? It's an app now. But in, when I first started, the company I was at had um, <laughs> had a bell because it used to be an old bank. It's like a dinner bell a or something? like a ship bell. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't because it was a bank. It was just a ship bell they had. And you'd ring the bell. And so to this day, when I am awarded a job, I have an app and I ding, ding, ding. Love that. Yeah. Or an emoji. I love it. That's great. Just so I have a ceremony, a ritual that mm. does put the bow on Sure. Yeah. yeah, I won. And like, then once you, once you win... And then it's off to the races. Yeah. In fact, I br it's it's ironic that I'm like, oh, we're done. Like to me, it, I'm, I'm, the execution. I mean, I've made 700 plus commercials. The execution is always exciting and arousing to me creatively. But it's like, oh, we're done with the hard part. Now I can right. play. Yeah. It's so interesting that everything we've just been describing has really almost. I won't say nothing, but very little to do with what I call the work. Filmmaking. Right, filmmaking. Mm -hmm. But yet it is so fundamental and so critical to running a successful business and being a director at a successful production company to understand how we, how we market, how we sell, how we go through this process, which leads me to your can podcast. I, wait, before, can I? Oh, yeah, please interject. We don't get paid for the treatment. No. So... If I've engaged one week to do a, got the board waiting to see if they're going to bid, they bid me, hey, we're going to do a phone call. That's next week. We did a phone call. Hey, they want a follow-up call. Got a right treatment. Now we're into week three. Week, end of week three, we hear about yeah. the job. There's three weeks of I may be shooting. I may be sitting on my butt. I'm just, but I'm trying to get this. So when you, when you factor in that you're going to shoot two or three weeks, usually two weeks later, and then I like to hang around and post and, you know, whether it's virtually or if it's in L.A., I'll go to the edit. Yep. Just for a little bit. Really, you hand it over to another entity. Well, this is part of educating yeah. uh, clients and agencies alike where a lot of times people will balk at the model of production companies where a director has a day rate yeah. of, oh, this guy's $12,000 a day. This guy's $25,000 a day. And people think, how in the world are we going to pay some guy $25,000 to show up for a day. I don't care what he does. He can solve world <laughs> hunger and he's still not worth that. And you realize there's actually a three, four, sometimes six week process leading up to him appearing on that day. I guess maybe the analogy would be Michael Jordan doesn't show up and just play a basketball game. Right. He spent X number of years in college. He's, you know, he's practiced a million free throws the day that he shows up is just the day when he does that magic thing that all that preparation has prepared him for. 
I have been on shoots that are multiple days of shooting at a nice fat day rate where I realize that I'm going to make about as much in that week of shooting as some of the other people will make in six months to a year. Right, meaning the uh, the, the crew or... The crew or the, some of the ad people. The ad people, the, yeah. You know, a junior, right. I don't know what a junior copywriter gets, but like, if, I get a, if, you, if I'm shooting for a week, that's a nice paycheck. But then I may go six weeks with nothing. I may go six weeks with not even the opportunity, not even the at bat. Right. So it it kind of ebbs and flows. And and I I often wonder like, well, I wonder what it would be like to have a, just a, be a salary director. But then I think you wouldn't be able to choose your projects. It might mess yeah. with the incentives and right. what motivates you and what is, again, what sort of fuels that secret sauce we talked about. Because a director is really, is a new term for you. Solopreneur. Oh, right. The solopreneur <laughs> season no, you of taught everyone's me that. career. Yes. Yeah. I mean, a director is really a solopreneur. Yes. Yeah. So, so and I, I guess, so just to touch on that briefly, most production companies in the commercial space that have a roster of directors, those directors are generally not staff. They're Correct. not generally paid a salary. They're probably not even paid some sort of a retainer or just like not anymore. We're gonna hand right in, yeah. in the old days. You know, if you're Spike Jones or whatever, right? We're Get gonna a retainer. We're gonna give you ten or twenty grand a month to just be on our because we can Correct. bank. You're so bankable, right? right? That was and that was applied against earnings. Okay, sure. So, so like if you're getting ten grand a month, right? You're actually that just means it's, you're like it's just getting a draw advance, against a draw. A, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a it's a draw. Yeah. So your podcast respect the process. Tell me about that. It's obviously got a good following, and you've been doing it for some time. What's uh, what, what what's the the general subject matter? Uh, Respect the process is a podcast about filmmaking, specifically focused on the art and craft of making commercials mm-hmm. for web, TV, broadcast. Doesn't matter. Uh, promos. It doesn't matter if it's advertising and it's filmed. We talk about it. So the best compliment I got was from a director. Editor turned director said, respect the process is like the Rosetta Stone of filmmaking. I love that. Yeah. yeah that's very that's quite a compliment. He goes, because I've had on like what a sound man does. I talked to a sound man. What the video tape, uh, the VTR guy does. Video assist. Or the video, video assist guys. guy, yeah. What, um, you know, several DPs, notable DPs, rank and file. I have PA. How, mm. to, how to PA. Ga- what a gaffer does. And then I've had you know chief co-creative global officer i'm screwing that one up but from mccann right, this guy bill wright side. and steve chavez who's from uh, the chief creative officer at leo burnett detroit you know all kinds of uh ccos right and creative directors art directors copywriters so you get the you get the whole gamut been doing it for three years so what's interesting is when we were talking earlier about you as a director and here's here's what i'm gonna theorize that there are a lot of young up-and-comers out there which is great we're in this era of the democratization is it great joe joe really is is it it, it great it it is great right but of course those of us that have a vested interest in protecting the status quo it it can be challenging but um nonetheless for young up-and-coming directors and guys that are saying let's start a production company or we have a motion design studio 
there is certainly a tendency that, well, I can do it all right. now, right? I can, I've, I, I came out of uh, art school, film school, whatever. Um, I have, I shot my, I got a project, I shot it on my 5D, I can edit, I can do all this stuff, right? And I applaud that, right? That's the way people start companies. Robert Rodriguez. Yes, yes, great, right? he, great he, example. He has more credits right. on his film than... Uh, hey, he's a CGI, visual else. effects yeah. artist, super... Scores it? Kind of, yeah, scores it. Right? Makes tortillas. Right, and you know, goes in and strikes the deal with the studio yeah. and all those kind of thing. Um, I say that with no mockery, by the way. I mean, he is a wunderkind. Yes, yeah. yes. Now, but I, I, you and I talked earlier offline about this, that that reaches a point of diminishing returns. I think so. Yeah. And I'm curious because you talked earlier about a project you did where you said, oh, I'm going to do a first cut as the director. Right. Right. Now, tell me the pitfalls there, because I'm sure there are a lot of guys that are saying, oh, I want to I want to get into the commercial space. I want to direct commercials. Why is it that actually being able to do it all comes back to bite you? That's a great question. Really is a great question. And here, here's what I think. I'm just one man with one opinion. God did not solely put the cloth of knowledge upon my back, Joel. So take it with a grain of salt, listeners, right? Um, in the specific example, it was an anemic budget. So I did the editing. And I pointed out to the agency, you I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot for the edit. Because we, we did a bunch of spots in one day. So it's not gonna be take after take. And I'm gonna be not a machete in the field. I'm gonna go in with a scalpel and make a very distinct path. So there's not a lot of editing options, right? Mm -hmm. They'll be within performance, but the puzzle will go together a certain way. Sure. But you are always removing that objective observer who looks at the film, the editor, who looks at the film without even without being on set, maybe you know, read the script once, and, and they put it together in a magical way. And I will try and do that, and I will cleanse my creative palate, but I am going in with a plan, so that will benefit us. It will bite us in that we, who knows what the editor would have thought. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it's interesting you talk about maintaining that perspective and objectivity. The the the, the mental breath mint the doesn't mental necessarily breath, yes. always work. Right. Right? Because what you're describing is there are all of these multiple roles and having experience in those roles, it's definitely phenomenal preparation for being a director. I'm a, I'm a particular, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm a particular yeah. fan of editors who become directors. Oh, absolutely. You know, freaking yeah. love what, what that brings to, to the table. And shooters and cinematographers make great directors if they don't mind talking to people. Right, right. Whatever, yeah. Right, if they, yeah, right. If they don't, they, they can get out, out of their own way and get out, out from behind the camera and communicate. Um, so, but to the, to, the, uh, to the aspiring director who wants to be great in the commercial space someday, um, and, he's, and he says, oh, well, for this next project, I'm going to go after this thing and land this project. And I, 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 I like Jordan said, I made my treatment. We did the call. I, uh, but I'm going to build the budget. I am going to rent the camera. I'm going to shoot it. I can probably light it. And in fact, you know what? Come to think of it, I just, with the, with, with the creative suite, I can probably even do the edit and the sound, the, the mix, the color. Everything. I can you upload know, it to I can YouTube do it all. for the client. Right. And what's interesting, of course, is and I'll make more money, right? Well, 
Maybe, maybe not. In the short term, you may. Okay, there you go. Uh, over the long hour, term, no. <laughs> yeah. Right. And over the long term, here's where you're going to shoot yourself in the foot. And I hope, I hope your listeners find this interesting. I hope you find this interesting. I think that f- I think you were. How do I say this? I think the director that does everything becomes less of an authoritative person with a vision, and at some point becomes subservient to the budget, to the amount of hours in the day, to the very people that hired you. Like, the reason I say in that one example and a couple others like it, I'll do the first cut and hand it over, is because Jordan Brady, the commercial director, who makes good decisions, and basically I'm selling taste and in comedy and, and the look of the film. It's a good-looking film, and it's funny. If down the road I'm the guy listening to you say, well, can we try it where he said it this way? Well, I didn't like that because I didn't choose it, and I'm a decisive guy, and now I'm, I, uh, I'd be an a-hole if I said, no, we can't try that. Like a good editor would go, let's explore that. I think the role specific to the, talking about directing, you don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be the a-hole that says, no, we can't try it. And you don't want to be the guy who goes, yeah, let's explore it. Because then you're you're contradicting what you set out to do. Right. And these people are looking, they may not consciously go, he flip-flopped, but you weren't the A-level director. Like, it, I would rather them go, wow, it was a great shoot. Can't believe you did that first cut. And then we took it and changed it. Rather than... You know, we hung out for about three or four weeks. We did the edit. We had changes. got a little weird for a while. I don't want to be that guy. I want to specialize. You know, the the colonel made great chicken, right? Finger-licking good. He's known for his chicken. That doesn't mean he can't sell a little corn and mashed potatoes on the side. But he specializes in the chicken. So I'm going to be the director. I'm the chicken. Yeah. Well, you're validating a theory that I have, which is, that we're all on this journey to really get clear about what our genius is Mm -hmm. and focus on that. Focus on it for a decade and you'll be amazed what you can accomplish. But to focus on it means letting go and delegating all all the stuff that you stink at. And to have other people that are better. You know, when young directors say, hey, I'm going to write this spot, I I throw up a flare because there are are copywriters and art directors that, that work every day creating ads they're a team often yeah and you're going to do all that yourself it might be good it might be great but is it is it really great that you're going to put it on your reel yeah you're going to spend your own money to shoot it so i say don't write it and likewise if i don't have to produce like i'm i've produced produced two documentaries and a feature film i'm not that good i i look at the work and go god if i didn't have to bog my mind mm-hmm. with working out a deal if i didn't have to spend an hour trying to find a location maybe i would have thought of a better idea to tell the actor does that make sense like you, there's no concrete way to point your finger and go well you could do it all or drink more coffee well there's two things i i hear one is that becoming an expert you know realizing your genius is is a key thing and of course you want your sound guy your copywriter your all those other roles you want those people to be likewise performing in their genius 
But it doesn't end there. There's actually an interplay that happens between those people. And that push and pull, that tension, that negotiation, there's something really magical that happens there. That you want the director having the debate with the editor on creative tension. Oh, oh, yeah. That you wouldn't get even if the director, if the director was doing the edit himself. Absolutely. Yeah. But you're missing the creative tension, right. which often breeds great exam, uh, great work. So is it safe to say that to be a great uh, director in, in the commercial realm, that it's worth looking ahead into the future? Look out three years, five years, 10 years and say, someday if I'm going to be really great at this, I'm only going to be doing A, B, and C. And let that be the standard by which you hold yourself. So sure, when you're starting out and you're a young upstart, you may be wearing Do all. all these hats. Do you're doing all. it all. Shoot it yourself. Do it all. Great. Right. right. So we're not we're not uh, you know frowning on people that, ha that that do that, but realize that that will at some point that will become a point of diminishing return. It will be an impediment for your to your further growth, and, because your future is all about being very focused and right. being a great leader, being able to communicate you know all the things that a great director does. And I think cinematography is such a specialized art form that that's a great a great exercise for the new director who shoots his or her own stuff, that's maybe the first one you should branch off to so go, you know what? My buddy is just as good as me. Don't be afraid, young people, to ask for favors. Right, yeah. right, right. Hey, I, I know we don't want to go on forever. What, what, 48 what, minutes. 48 minutes, okay. Want to wrap up? Yeah. But I, by the way, I will, I will say I do uh, espouse these theories at my commercial directing boot camp. Well, that's that's the perfect yeah. segue because I wanted to talk about your boot camp because I know some of my listeners are uh, might be a motion design company that is always doing stuff on the box, right? Everything is like design and post and that sort of thing. Or there might be um, production companies that are doing work in the network TV space, yeah. right? Or, or what have you. And then they look at this world of agencies doing national spots and they say, hmm, God, it would be really great to play there. It's a very complex move and space to move into, right? But your tell me about your boot camp. I who's I, it targeted at, and what's the what, what what's it about? Well, it's not a film school. Mm. One of the biggest compliments I had was a a woman, a filmmaker that I work with occasionally, said to me after she took the boot camp. Jordan, you know, what I really learned about boot camp is that I don't want to be a commercial director. It was well worth the money to learn what I don't want to do. Now I can move on. Because she had been scratching her head all these years going, I think I could do that. She'd made short films and worked on movies. Very uh, interesting. Was, yeah. there, was this the difference between I want to be a director and I want to do what a director does? Mm, I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> but she, uh, the other example was um, a company came with four of their people, director, producer, two directors, a producer, and the founder. They came and to your boot camp. They came to my boot camp in Dallas and great, great people from Raleigh. Okay. And uh, they decided, oh, the director is the commodity. We're, we were a content production house and to move into the, advertising space that you're mentioning to play in that world we have to champion the director as the storyteller so where so the where a, the where the rubber meets the road there is simply that if you're going to be a commercial production company doing commercials you need to put the directors out front yeah first and foremost that's really your offering it's not your company not your brand it's we have director 
you know, X, Y, Z, and we have director, you know, we're going to leave well, the, with those names. The and directors those. define the brand of the company. I mean, right. if, if your listeners were to Google Hungry Man, Hungry Man's one of the best shops. They do, they know for comedy. They have a huge roster. They do, if, if, there are probably a few, more than a few Super Bowl spots every year right. done by Hungry Man. And they're what I would aspire to be. Right. A Hungry Man, like Super Lounge is, super, is a Hungry Man type company based on the directors we have in mm-hmm. it. They've built a brand in the company, but it's because of their directors, like the two guys that started it. So, yeah. yeah. So it, so I would say uh, in contrast, if you looked at a company that was doing design or animation or something, and let's say that they're, they're just called, you know, Spacely Sprockets or something, sure. right? Spacely! That what's important for them to understand is if they reach out into this world and they say, oh, let's go get a rep. Right, because that's a lot of times the first thing. Yeah. Oh, if we just had a great commercial route, we'd get all this work. So I'll let you debunk that in a minute. But even if they reach out to the agencies directly and they say, "Hey, we would love to come in and you know do your next commercial," what directors do you have? There it is. Yeah. That's always the first question. Oh, we got a guy that directs and edits and writes, and he'll do the camera, and they'll be like, "Whoa, this what? smells." Terrible. I don't know what that is, and you're freaking me out. Yeah, we typically they don't unless it's a car shoot. The agency doesn't care who the DP is. Mm-hmm. They trust, because they've seen your work, the director's going to hire a great DP. Right. It's assumed it's going to look great. Right. So my, my, my yeah. theory is that when an agency looks at, say, our my example of Space Lease Rockets, yeah, sure. there might be beautiful work there. But if not, if, the, if a director's name is not front and center... Invent one. They immediately say... <laughs> I don't get it. Right. I don't know how I. I don't know how or why I would work with this company. In fact, they're they're make they're kind of scaring me. And the <laughs> the creatives at the ad agencies want to work with a personality that is going to lead the ship. That's going to care about their project. And we talk about the phone call. That whole process of getting the job. They want to hear that passion. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's funny because I love I love making commercials to the point that now. I will go on the client's Facebook page and sign up for the newsletter and the coupons just to learn about the culture of the client. And the ad agencies in the middle, they often created that. But um, I think the advertising people want to know that you're emotionally invested in this project. Some guys, I mean, may do it for a paycheck. Uh, Maybe they're doing it because it's just funny and there's a logo slammed on the end of it, right? There's no product integrated into it so but uh, for me for me yeah the people listening that are wanting to play in the game they should have a director a personality that they can market that's going to be their champion and if it's not the director perhaps it's the uh the ep or someone at the company who is the face of it who really could say i'm going to be involved in this process and i'm going to have this new director. I mean, that's what we've done with with new, breaking new directors. They've trusted the relationship they have with me and my, right. my partners. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about putting a personality out there because I think it, it it is such a crucial ingredient nowadays that if you want to be a successful director, you do have to be prepared and willing to um, put yourself out there. And a lot of a lot of us come from a place place of humility, and we're not really comfortable being kind of the guy out in front and center in the spotlight. It's all about me. But at the end of the day, especially if you're an owner, 
It is all about you. Yeah. And you have to be willing to sort of embrace that. And when people say, we're going to put you front and center, we're going to take your picture, we're going to have your profile out there, we're going to be tweeting about you, whatever, that's part of the game because the people on the other side of it, they need to identify with that personality. It's, what, it's a big part of what they're buying. So at the boot camp, what we're not doing is setting up a camera and having actors and tell the actor to emote and all that. It's not that kind of, and it says on the website, this is not that. There are great film schools. It, commercialdirectingbootcamp.com assumes that you know how to direct. I, and I, I start off explaining what we talked about here, about how the work flows mm -hmm. to get the job, mm -hmm. which is, I think, for a lot of people that are a one-stop shop, a one-man band, that's very important for them to go, okay, now I get the context of this world that I want to enter and play in. And then, and then I just, I believe that you're selling your, uh, your personality and your voice, which your work should be, and it takes 10 years to figure that out. Your work should be an extension of your personality. Well, what I, what I like, what I hear you saying is that your boot camp is less about technique and really more about a philosophy it is, yes. and an approach to building a career and growing as a talent and evolving. It is a philosophy and it is, it, to conclude, I would say, it is the, uh, it's a quest, it, it, it's designed to help you find the balance between humility and ego. So you're not a jerk, but you believe that you have the right to make these decisions. Yeah, well, as a client, if I'm a client, I, of course, want to work with people, people that are highly opinionated. I want somebody with a very strong point of view who also happens to be flexible. Oh, my views of comedy are narrow but correct. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Thanks for having me, man. I Thank appreciate you, Jordan. This. It was really great having you on the show. Thanks for listening to Rev Thinking. For more insights on running your creative studio or to ask us a question, visit RevThink.com. We'd love to hear from you.